paper Sidon. how you doing today good how are you i'm doing great i'm really excited for this one yeah yeah me too thanks for having me on i really appreciate the opportunity no problem at all so for those who may not know can you just give a 90 second pitch about what you do and why you have a little bit of authority on the subject Sure. So I uh, I am Bowtie Brosiden, as you may know me on Twitter. Um, uh, by trade, my nine to five, I am a sales engineer for a software company. Uh, essentially, it's my job to help sell and explain how things work to potential prospects. Um, and the reason I bring that up is just because all day, every day, I am basically interacting with others, selling with others, but also doing a lot of active listening. Um, and I think that that coincided really nicely with my natural skill set. I saw a tweet once from Tetra that said, if you were going to pick a niche, you should pick something that you get complimented on the most. Mm. Uh, and the thing that I get complimented on the most was talking to other people, right? My And I do get a funny sometimes, but I feel like you can't say that about yourself. So we'll just <laughs> go with talking to other people. <laughs> but um, but all jokes aside, that that's my thing. Uh, it's always been my thing. And then doing this trade or this profession, I should say, has really I feel I've honed my craft uh, to a degree that I felt I could talk about it. Right. And so your niche on Twitter, how would you describe it overall? Um, so that's something that's pretty funny because I actually just had somebody say, I'm not sure what your niche niche is. Uh, but I, I would I would say that my niche is just talking about interacting with others, right? Being a better friend, being a better spouse, uh, and just having better interactions overall in your everyday life with others. So one of your pieces of content is these rules on likability. So you have a couple ideas or suggestions for people to improve their likability. And one of those is be assertive, but selectively pick your shots. So I think this, especially for guys, is super important. And it's a little bit of a difficult one. Like when is it the right time to be assertive? And how can you be an alpha without being a jerk? So that's a really, it's a really nuanced question. Uh, the first thing that I want to address is uh, you saying it's for guys more importantly. Um, so I don't want to get political, but there's one thing that I've noticed and seen, and I feel like Jordan Peterson's commented on this and others have commented on this before. Um, and that's that, you know, sometimes when a guy is assertive, it's like, oh, cool, he's a strong man. And then when a woman's assertive, they could be labeled as a bitch for no reason. Mm -hmm. Excuse my French, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah. It's kind of like a double standard there. Uh, and I happen to have a spouse who's in law enforcement and she, you know, is in a kind of a man's world, 95% men, I think is, is what she works with or something along those lines. Um, and she's assertive. She's very assertive. Right. And that's something that uh, a hurdle she had to, to overcome and, and pick her shot. But, uh, I still think it applies both ways, but neither here nor there, right? I'm a guy, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll speak from the guy's point of view to answer the question directly. I think that the most important time that you need to be assertive and pick your shot for say is when someone's coming into your space whether that's a joke that wasn't really a joke that was disrespectful whether someone's trying to take advantage of you um whether somebody is not treating you with the level of respect that you feel you deserve you know let's take a very basic situation right you're you're at a restaurant you put your name in you saw another party of the same size coming after you and the hostess is walking them to a table before you. Mm. Very basic situation. People have probably dealt with something like that before. I think that's a time to be assertive. And I don't mean that you go up there and, and yell 
and say what's going on. But I also don't think that you just say, ah, that doesn't bother me. Never mind. Because I think that that, that becomes then something that you're okay with and you'll continue to do that and continue to be kind of a doormat. So mm. when I say assertive, but selectively and pick your shots, what I'm really talking about there is any time you feel that somebody is encroaching on your space and, and on your, on your respect level that you feel you deserve, um, you should address it in some capacity. I think that's very fair. And it's also something that I'm really, really bad at. <laughs> I think we're going to talk about that a little bit in the future. But the yeah. thing you said about Jordan Peterson mentioned that for women, it's different. When they are assertive, they come off as bitchy. Why do you think that is? Um, if I had to put my finger on it, it's probably if we get into like trad gender roles, mm -hmm. right? Like we're in, we're in different times. Uh, we're, we're in a time where you need a dual income to survive. Yep. Like my wife and I don't have kids. We're dinks, right? Dual income, no kids. Mm -hmm. And we both do well. And yet I'm still like, how much was lunch? You know, we're, we're in a very mm -hmm. different economic environment uh, totally. where, where we need that. But, but we still have parents and grandparents who grew up where one cop salary could cover four kids and a wife at home. Right. So I think that it's definitely just natural growing pains of that. I also think that a lot of girls are, well, no, excuse me, women, I, this is just my anecdotal opinion. It might be a little controversial, but are, are sometimes bad at it mm. uh, because of a lack of practice and maybe a, a, a little bit of like being told uh, not to, to stay quiet and meek. Um, so like from what I've seen, there's a lot of times where it's like, let myself get walked all over, let myself get walked all over, let myself get walked all over, bug out because I can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's also why I say you should pick your shots and be assertive because if you get if you nip it in the bud from the beginning, you don't have that buildup and then you don't have that emotional reaction. One last thing I want to add to this, especially because you said you were not the best at this. Mm -hmm. I have found that the best way to handle any situations like this is humor. Mm. And even if it's just like half humor, right? Even if it's just like a little sarcastic comment, like, let me think of an example. Let's say we started this podcast off, right? And uh, you're being your cheery, charismatic self commenter. <laughs> and then I was kind of being a little bit of a dick. I wasn't being warm. I was, I kind of started off maybe like a little bit cold. And if it was the reverse and I was dealing with that situation, I would handle it like maybe with a joke like, ah, we're a little spicy today, huh? <laughs> like something where – I know you're laughing, but like something where I'm like addressing that you are definitely acting a little bit off mm -hmm. and calling it out. But I'm also not like, why are you being a dick? Yeah. And putting them on the back foot and, and defensive. So that's – I try to handle a lot of situations in that way. Yeah. It's a very good way of going about it. I just struggle with confrontation and maybe that's a great segue, but like, I really struggle with confrontation. And I was talking about this with someone, it may be like an evolutionary standpoint for women to avoid confrontation because confrontation in the old days was really, really bad. But Physical, yeah. as you were saying, like if the hostess seated someone before me, I wouldn't say anything. If the mailroom lost my package, like, who cares? My friend yes. screws me over. I'll never speak to them again. Like I'm really not good at trying to address the problem and move forward. I'm really just like avoidance, pull back, get out of there. Is there anything else, any other tips you would give me in order to be better at that? 
Um, well, first and foremost, I just want to say that, like, I don't think very many socially aware people are good at confrontation, mm. right? Because the nature of it, the confrontation, what does that mean? It means you're having, you're, you're confronting someone else, right? You're having some kind of situation where there's going to be some friction. So most people that are aware and are paying attention to that uh, are uncomfortable with that. I'm definitely uncomfortable with that. Like, for example, I will never send my food back at a restaurant. Maybe it's just because I'm scared no. to spit in my food, but <laughs> it, it, that's one that that's one that I'm not good at. Like there's, there, I'm I'm pretty good at, but that's one that I, I don't handle well. So first and foremost, we all struggle with it. But mm -hmm. in terms of advice for you, I think that the biggest thing to do is start with things that don't have high stakes, mm -hmm. like little things like your coffee order. I think I tweeted about this the other day. Like someone gives you the wrong coffee, uh, what do you do? Instead of just laying down and instead of calling the person out, you can just be like, Hey, this was supposed to be a large and it's a small, any chance you can just fix that for me real quick. I did this the other day. I did it like two days ago at Starbucks mm. and the person was like, sure, of course, no problem. And I literally just like turned the receipt around and it said large on there or venti, I should say if I'm at Starbucks, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the biggest thing is to start small. And to start addressing it and get more comfortable with it, because I think you're a very charismatic person. I can tell just from these few minutes we've been talking, uh, and you have a, you have a nice demeanor about you. You can very very easily uh, not give off bad vibes and get what you need to to get done. In my opinion. Yeah, I definitely think it's something I need to push myself to do because you don't want to be a doormat, <clears throat> but you also don't want to be a jerk. So there's always a fine line. And whenever I'm in that situation at the restaurant, I'm like, this person's probably having a horrible day. Like, I don't want to add to it. But oh yeah, one thing I will say is on the topic of sending back food, something I noticed right away dating my boyfriend, like on our first or second date was he would send it back or he would make an issue of it, not as a jerk, but just be like, hey, she was asking like for this and can you do this instead or just something like that. And it was very attractive. So for the boys listening, <laughs> if your girl is afraid of competition, I think it's a good skill to learn. Yeah, that decisiveness, that standing up. Yeah, that's, decisiveness uh, that, that's is a really good the, way of putting it. Decisiveness. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. I mean, I have that too, right? With my wife, she she can't make a decision when we go out to eat a lot of times. So we have a game that we play. I'm like, all right, don't look at the menu. Look at me. What are you in the mood for? <laughs> <laughs> all right now pick three things and i'll pick one for you <laughs> like we've been doing it we've been together 10 years and uh it's it's what we found that works but it's the same kind of thing and she loves that that's funny that you say that yeah another one of these likability rules that you had on your account that i just really really agree with was use your knowledge on a topic to enrich a conversation not to take over that conversation so a lot of times, and I noticed this at school a lot, it sounded like people had their SAT vocab list out when they're trying to talk to you and they wanted to bring up every book they've ever read to try to like prove they knew this subject more than you did. But to use your knowledge to help the person you're talking to, like that's how you make a friend. You know, 100%. that's like it's such a great idea. 100%. First off, thank you. I mm -hmm. appreciate that. I appreciate you appreciating me. <laughs> but uh, but uh, the the thing with that, that I found the most is like, I know Dale Carnegie, uh, you know, uh, sales guy is not mm -hmm. the biggest fan of him. And, and it's a little bit controversial how to inform friends and influence people. But there are definitely some golden nuggets in that book. That was something I read when I was like 16 that I've read multiple times again since. And one of the things that he talks about is like speaking someone else's language and it, the power of it is immediate, 
right? Like a, a perfect example is I happen to know a little bit about a lot of different careers and, and different uh, industries. Mm. It's just, I've worked in a few, I, I'm very interested in that. And I always pick people's brains on it. So if I'm talking to somebody and work is really important to them and they work in finance, I've never worked in finance per se, but I invest and I know a decent a bit about it. I can ask good questions and I can also be like, oh yeah, yeah, that's this, right? Like that's a derivative. That's what, when you start being able to throw a little bit of jargon, but also not, like you said, trying to flex and impress them, yeah. it just makes the conversation go so much better. And then that person also, you're showing them subconsciously that you want to relate to them mm -hmm. and that you are a similar person and you can have those better interactions. I also think that one is probably one that needs to be practiced because I think it would take a little bit of tailoring or just trial and error to bring up things without taking over the conversation. So probably something that needs to be tried a couple times. Yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah. I, I still struggle with that. Yeah. Uh, 100%. I, I told you my nine to five is a sales engineer for a software company, right? So what I'm doing all day, every day is asking somebody what their problem is at work that we're trying to solve with this software and then getting to how we can fix that problem. But the reality of that is they should be doing 70% of the talking, 80% mm. of the talking. And I still, when like us right now, we're on a Zoom call. I can't see your face. Mm -hmm. we're, I, I, can't, uh, I can't see your mannerisms if you're about to speak. So it's hard to understand. Do you, are you actually listening to me? Uh, are you about to speak? Am I talking over you? Am I talking too much? Mm -hmm. uh, so like you said, I think that's a really valid point, right? We need to, we need to really practice that, but it's the, the first way to practice it or get better at it, I should say, is to just pay attention to it Yeah. and be aware of it. So did you always want to go into the sales route or was that something that you learned you were really good at and then you dived into it a little bit later? Uh, yes and no. So that's a really good question. Thank you for asking that. Mm -hmm. um, I was one of those kids that, you know, I, they told me I was six going on 60 <laughs> with, with the way I spoke. And um, everyone was like, oh, you're going to be a lawyer. You're going to you could sell salt to a slug like since I was little. Uh, and then right out of college, I went uh, into sales. I actually was a mortgage loan officer and I had a really bad experience with sales. It was a boiler room style cold calling shitty product to sell. I had to sell the company and then sell the product. Mm. And I was dealing with individuals, um, which is very different from B2B sales, right? Like think about who is your most incompetent relative. Think about them on the phone, trying to gather all their W2s and tax <laughs> forms and whatnot. Yeah. You're laughing, but that's what a, a mortgage loan officer does. And you deal with that for three months to six months and there's incompetence and, and you tell them not to do anything. And then they go lease a new car and they lose their mortgage. Like it's just a messy business. Mm. So I had a bad experience and I wanted to get away from it. So I actually went to a coding boot camp and learned how to code in like 2016, mm. quit my job. Uh, actually moved back in with my mom for six months. And uh, as I learned how to code, I also had the realization and the self-awareness to be like, hmm, I'm probably not going to outcode a Stanford computer science grad mm. or an MIT computer science grad. So I had to find the nice in-between and, and sales engineering came up. And it was one of those things where I had the skill set, but I also got this new skill set that I can combine with it. And here I am talking about software. That's awesome. And I think that... um. I have grown such an appreciation for sales over the course of not only being in the jungle, but just throughout like trying to sell stuff. It's just so freaking hard. And you're so yeah. vital part of the business. 
Um, and I think growing up, I had the wrong interpretation or just idea of salespeople because I always thought used car salesmen, you know, door to door, like bothering my dad on a Saturday, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it is an absolutely vital part of the business. When it is done well, you bring so much value. I just have such an appreciation for it. And you were talking about cold calling. I, when I was in high school, I was on the newspaper because I like to write and they didn't have an ads person and they always need an ad person to run the freaking newspaper. And so they gave it to me. So I was cold calling small businesses around my high school, begging them to put an ad in our high school newspaper for an insane ROI, of course. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but you know what, though? That you, the fact that you have that experience and you overcame of the fear of objection at like 15, 16, 17, mm. that is incredible. Mm -hmm. No, most people don't go through that ever. So you, the fact that you did it so young, it probably is why you're doing what you're doing, right? You're not yeah, afraid. That's a really good point. I mean, people were yelling at me, like, why are you bothering yeah. me? Like, yeah. leave me alone. Leave me alone. Yeah. I'm, like, <laughs> yes. I'm like, I've been on the phone for four hours on a Saturday morning as a senior in high school. Like, I don't want to be here either, dude. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Sorry, diner owner. <laughs> 100%, uh, 100%. One last thing uh, mm -hmm. or point on that. I, I keep quoting Bowtie Sales Guy, but I, I love that dude. I feel like he just gets it to a degree that most people don't. Um, he said something recently about sales being the most honorable profession there is really because it's so honest. That's Everyone true. involved knows what's going on. I'm trying to sell you this software. You need to potentially fix a problem with this software. Can we figure this out? Can I convince you that this is going to fix your problem? Mm -hmm. You're just like, I'm trying to make money and sell you the software. <laughs> You're deciding if you need it. Let's talk. Yeah. Well, since it's so important. Yes. How would you recommend someone learn to be better at it? Obviously, you can read sales guys stuff. Is it practice? It's reading a lot about it and then trial and error. How do you become you better at this skill? You have to sell something. Yeah, it's 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 in theory, everything sounds good in theory, you know, being assertive and uh, asking good questions and, and standing out in your cold emails, all that sounds good. But have you ever done, you know, uh, a bet on the World Cup as a cold email and had it successfully work? Mm. Have you ever had somebody actually sign on the dotted line for $100,000 for a contract? Um, so if, if somebody was looking to get into sales, obviously I'm biased because I work in software, but I think you should get an SDR job at a software company mm -hmm. that is sales development representative. That's mm -hmm. the entry level outbound sales job. Um, right now in any of the, the big city markets like New York, San Francisco, maybe even Austin and Seattle, you're looking at 40 to $80,000 base salary plus commission on top of that. Not a bad living, especially for a first job. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're going to be doing outreach. You're going to be doing cold outreach via LinkedIn, via email, via phone. And there's no better way to do it, I think, than that. And at the same time, you're not, you don't have to have the experience that you and I had where you're cold calling mom and pops <laughs> on a Saturday morning or, you know, calling, I was calling sheets that were printed out from the from the computer that had people saying, stop calling me, <laughs> take me off the list. You know that like, you don't have to deal with that as much as it's probably just more of a professional. I, I don't think we need this right now. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's my suggestion. Okay. So moving back a bit into some of the other stuff you talk about with social interaction. So 
you clearly have found a big niche niche we can't know how to say this word but whatever it is people need help in their social interactions why do you think social interaction is hard or has it become more hard over time this is it i'm gonna curse here a fucking fantastic question (laughs) and i actually was writing something on this uh that i'm gonna post but i'm gonna say it here first so uh, I'm, I'm doxing myself a little bit, but I'm 31 years old. Mm-hmm. I was born in 1991. Uh, and I am one of the last generations, anyone born around my age where we grew up without cell phones and then grew into cell phones and social media. Mm-hmm. So for, I didn't have a cell phone or any type of cool, like I had dial up internet, but until I was like 12, 13, I didn't have a cell phone. And then even when I got a cell phone, it was like a Nextel. And I would click my friends. I don't even, I don't know how old you are and you don't have to tell me, but I don't even, if you know, you know what that is, uh, which is kind of like walkie talkie each other on Nextels and texting was like T9 word with hitting each button three times to get to the letter. So texting wasn't even really a thing until I was in like mid to late high school when people got like sidekicks, T-Mobile sidekicks. And then when (laughs) I went to college, the iPhone came out and Blackberries and stuff. Um, And the reason I'm bringing this up is because we went from the majority of our interactions being over voice and in person to text, you know, going back to my introduction that I said about myself, right. I've been someone who my entire life, everyone always told me that I had like presence when I spoke and and I had, you know, an eagerness to my voice and, you know, I was a little humorous and whatnot. You lose all that power over text. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I can send a GIF or GIF if, you know, we're we're mispronouncing words here. (laughs) controversial pronunciation um i can send a meme i can add inflection with like you know a a parentheses which i do a lot of my tweets because uh, i don't want things to be misconstrued but at the end of the day people are talking mostly via text and we i think we lost a lot of those abilities and it's just a whole different interaction even us right now commoner if we never had this conversation you would have just been another name and i would have just been another name on twitter maybe i'll like a tweet of yours you like a tweet of mine mm-hmm. reply here and there but we now have this conversation that we're having forever as like our our focal point of, of our internet relationship and we can mm-hmm. build off this and we have a closer connection right so i think that everything moving to text is a huge factor and then the second factor in all of this is that the last two and a half years really fucked everyone up oh so true so perfect example I have a father who almost a decade ago uh, moved to a different country. He was involved in some business overseas and he moved away. And when he moved away, he didn't have anyone but his wife with him. And one thing that I noticed more and more every year since then is that he got a little weirder socially. And I think that a big factor in that is a lack of being kept in check by being like in the world, in the zone, dealing with other people. And and I don't think that you need to be, I'm not saying that you need to be a, a uniform individual that plays by all the rules and whatnot. But what I am saying is you need constant feedback on how you're talking to people and interacting with people to know if you're doing it right or not. Mm-hmm. You you need somebody telling you, hey, dude, hey, lady, that's fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. And the more separated from that you get, I think the weirder you get. You know, we have every story ever, the weird hermit in the woods, right? 
yeah, uh, from King Arthur to every story ever. That's that's a real thing. And COVID put everybody in their houses for two and a half years, mm-hmm. and nobody wanted to talk to each other, and no one was talking to each other. People were just talking over Zoom or, or video games, and and everyone got a little weird, and it, it exacerbated the already text first things that were going on. I couldn't agree more with that. I think it hit kids more than it hit older people too. Like I was in college when um the first wave of like everything shut down in 2020. But can you imagine being a 12 year old and you're online and there's so much growth that needs to happen. Like middle school is so hard because you're learning those social cues. I'm not an advocate for bullying, but it's part of the human experience is kind of getting everybody in check with their social cues and how they interact with people. And they just lost that. So my roommate is a teacher and she said socially all of her kids are at least two years behind it's a huge problem 100 percent, it's a huge problem and and i i couldn't agree more with people need to be bullied yeah um i was bullied i was short i still i'm not the tallest that was something i dealt with but you know what you have that example everyone's got the example uh the kid who was you know a little chunky in middle school that got made fun of for being chunky and then they became like a fitness influencer and they're shredded now it was like their motivation so like i'm not saying that (laughs) you know everyone needs to get shit on but what (laughs) i am saying is there is some good that comes from that right Mm -hmm. Uh, you get ox talking about it with the military and some other folks in the jungle talking about how like the military was really good for that like kind of putting people in place yeah uh, and motivating them and and and, uh, not everyone's lucky enough to have experiences like that uh, and now when you can't even like, I can't imagine what it's like to be in middle school right now. Oh my God. Terror. That's what I can't I even imagine it. Like, you, can't, you can't say the word retarded. No, yeah. <laughs> how, how do you be a 12 year old? Every third how, how word you... out of my mouth is now gone. I can't say. Anything. Yes, 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 exactly. Exactly. Like we, we grew up in a different time and uh, it's, it, it's crazy to me. It's absolutely crazy. to me. I, and I, to be honest, I don't know what the fix is. Um, because, you know, we have a lot of homeschooling advocates mm-hmm. uh, in the jungle as well. And, and I definitely see the the validity of that. But does that exacerbate the social things too? Yeah. Do you create weird kids with that? It's just, I, I, and I hope I don't offend anybody who, who's very into it. I'm sure that you have your methods and they join sports teams and whatnot. This is just things that I think about uh, as I think about having kids myself. No, I think it's a totally fair point on the homeschooling aspect. I mean, the ability to tailor education to your kids and let them really pursue what they're interested in is amazing. But I'm concerned about the social aspect too. Like there's a difference between going to school every day with kids and putting them into soccer twice a week and church once a week. Like the amount of social interaction will be less. Whether or not that has a huge impact, something I need to research, but I totally agree that it's it's a concern of mine as well. That's the joke. Prom with your mom when you're in Yeah, prom uh, with your mom. <laughs> They've sanitized social interactions so much in the past five years. So if you think about everything that's hit social interaction, number one, you can't say these words because you can't offend anyone. Then number two, half of your interaction is now going to be online instead of in person. Both of those things have just completely changed everything for a kid. I don't like to be a conspiracy theorist. I would never be one of those. But man, is it seem compelling that this was on purpose. Uh, 100%. And, and the, con- the conspiracy theorist is a dirty, uh, dirty <laughs> phrase because uh, it's, it's tagged onto everyone who questions everything. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not a full celebrities drinking baby blood mm-hmm. believer. 
but at the same time, there's levels to this shit, right? Yeah. Like, like what you're saying, I'd like to think that people in power are smart enough to understand that making things easier makes people softer and mm. dumber. Like that's a, that's about as basic as it gets because they got there by not doing easy things, right? Like you don't become a senator or, or a governor or anything uh, passively. That's something you had to work really hard to, to get to. Totally. Um, so they, they have to understand that at a personal level. So I, I agree with you there. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how we fix this. And, and, and I agree with you completely in the, the pussification of the world right now. In regards to um, the conspiracy theory comment, yes. I like to say that I'm a lot closer to Alex Jones than I am to Mitt Romney. I don't know where that puts me, but that's how that's my philosophy. Alex Jones, he he missed a, a few times, but he's also hit a lot of times. Yeah, if you think about his batting average, it's much higher than everybody else, even yeah, if it was a couple really bad that, ones. Yeah, the unfortunate <laughs> truth is that that one was worth like a hundred billion dollars, whatever the hell Apparently. that lawsuit was. But, but oh my god, uh, he, he has he does have a very high batting average. Okay, here's a question. Sure, please shoot. A 17-year-old kid, and you're living yes. in this culture where you can't say anything because you're going to offend anybody. You want to be socially adept, so you want to fit into the culture that you're in right now, and you want to be yes. at the top of the social hierarchy, so you can say those things. But then yes. two, being funny. Now you can't be funny. How would you walk that line if you were 17 and you could be you know, perfect in all your social interactions? Would you, you sanitize ever, yourself? Have you ever watched Bill Burr? Yeah. Do stand up comedy. I think he's the best shining example of that. That's so true. He he might be the best, right? Because he says controversial things, but he doesn't curse. He doesn't say anything negative. And he just kind of like asks questions and makes you think about it yourself. Like, let's, I'm sorry to, if I'm going to botch one of his bits here, but mm -hmm. in, in essence, he was talking about equal pay for male and female athletes. And uh, he's talking to the crowd and he's like, ladies, I have a question for you. Scream if you've been to a WNBA game before. <laughs> And everyone was silent. And he's like, guys, scream if you've been to an NBA game before. And everyone yells, right? And then he's like, he's like, can you even name the fucking team in your city? He's like, he's like, that's the point I'm making, right? Like, I'm I'm not saying that they're that they're not doing the job equally. I'm saying that there's a huge disproportionate amount of money brought in by the different teams. If you want them to get paid more, go to the games, buy mm -hmm. their jerseys. Uh, like things like that, right? Where he's making such an undeniable point that the only way you can get mad at him is just purely based on like black and white. I believe in whatever the left says, or I believe in whatever the right says. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, there's no basis for, for what you actually believe. Now getting to the point where you said, where if I was a 17 year old and I was trying to teach them to be socially adept. I think that you do need to ride the line a little bit. If 17 year olds don't hold the line at all, then we're going to be lost. Um, but you do have to play the game that you're given and deal with the, the hand that you're, you're dealt. Um, so, you know, you don't have to put your pronouns in your, in your zoom, mm -hmm. right. But you, you'd also don't uh, drop an F bomb on a gay person. Right. Like you, you don't, don't be a bigot, but also don't give in fully. Uh, ride the line, stay strong. Um, I, I, I think that uh, it's hard. It's not easy. And I, I wish I, I had a better answer for it, but that's that's the best that I can come up with. Okay. Two things you made me think of. First, I was listening to Bert Kreischer on yes. Joe Rogan and he was talking about guy. his daughter and his and her friends. And he's like, 
they're super woke. They're 17. They're from LA. Like they're super woke. I took them to a show, a comedy show, and it was so funny. And they were like looking at each other, like, is it okay to laugh at this? Like they thought it was funny, but they were just concerned about, you know, was this mean? And he's like, no, 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 it's funny. Just laugh. It's funny. It's a joke. And like, it's still in there. They still think things are funny. It's just been so suppressed. So that gives me hope that one day you could turn this around because it's not like you lost your funny bone. It's just that you've been told that it's rude. And then secondly, this point about riding the line. My friend is the most conservative person I know. He's hilarious. He lies. He is the shittest, libest person on LinkedIn. At every company happy hour, he has his pronouns in his bio. It's all fake. It's to move up the social ladder, to move up the corporate ladder, to be seen as, you know, the most empathetic, the wokest person there. And he is a diehard populist conservative. And I find it hilarious. And he's like, yeah, commoner, if like you low- out me, I swear to God, I'm like, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell him that you're lying, man. I'm gonna get you. <laughs> that's funny. It's just, it's just a hilarious thing that that's social capital, but I guess that's playing the game. You know, he's lying. My, you know, principles would say, I'm not going to bow down. I'm not going to put the pronouns in my bio, but he's like, I can use this to my advantage. I'll put them in there. I'll lie about it. It will help me succeed. Fair point. Uh, I do. I, I do. I think it's a really valid point. Um, I I have been known to to make the funny comment of of quoting Michael Jordan, uh, Republicans buy sneakers too. Yeah. Uh, and uh, whenever anything political comes up at work, I just say, you know, we're here to sell software. I don't yeah. really like to to pick a, make a decision on it. Now, again, I will admit that that is giving me less kiss up points than. Uh, playing the the full game like your friend is however the other thing that i have found is that the majority of the actual executives aren't like that totally because they're obviously super capitalistic they started a company very recently i had uh uh, one of the executives at my company come in to town and take us out to a happy hour i happen to know through the grapevine that he likes to hunt Mm -hmm. and he has guns and he's got a a cabin somewhere in a state i'm not going to mention and uh, I'm like, ah, this is a guy that I can definitely talk to a little bit. <laughs> so after a half hour uh, or, or an hour or so after he had a drink or two, I uh, just asked about hunting really, really quickly. And I got him talking for like an hour. <laughs> and now I'm on his radar and whatnot. You're laughing, but like the, I do feel like the higher up the chain you go, the less actually that becomes relevant. Uh, and and the most – the loudest people in the room about those kind of issues – uh, in my opinion, are the ones with the most time at work or the oh, most yeah. disposable jobs. Uh, but I do think your friend's playing the game right if he's trying to move up to those levels. Yeah. Um, I was reading Woke Inc., which basically talks about how they're using the woke change your company colors to pride colors during June, talking about racism. It's all capitalist. It's just an effort to sell more product, which, 100%. you know, fair. I'm fine with it. Like, you know, if it works, it works. But I agree that the higher up you go, um, the less popular those ideas become. Something that my boss was actually telling me was like, when you're talking to someone, and this is what you're getting at with the hunting with the the person high up in your company, don't always treat it as a transaction. Always try to get to know someone. And in the first five to 10 minutes of the meeting with them, just talk shit, just small talk, just ask them how they're doing, how their kids are doing, like 
he told me to keep notes of like what we talked about last time so I can ask about it again. And he's like, you got to build that interaction, especially with clients in the future. So it doesn't feel transactional. And I totally understand that point. But then my gut is like, okay, but if I'm in seven meetings a day, like that's over an hour of small talk in the day, which isn't my favorite use of efficiency, but I kind I understand that that's, that's playing the game. You, that's you're building those relationships, even with the firm and with clients. So my rules are for myself, I never ask someone how their weekend was, and I never ask them how the weather is or talk about the weather. And you're laughing, but it's because I'm in the same boat, right? Like I have up to seven or eight calls a day with people I've never met before. Right. Um, so what I try to do is instead look for a status symbol that that person is virtue signaling through the camera. It's harder if they're not on camera, but let's just take the case where someone's on camera, right? Mm-hmm. I will comment on a guy's Rolex, mm. say it's great. Uh, if if I'm talking to a lady and she has a really well done background to her Zoom, be like, "Wow, you that's awesome!" And, and it sounds funny, it and, but it's genuine, right? Yeah. It's always something genuine. I look for the first thing that stands out to me and then comment on it. Uh, I I happen to be bald. If someone's got a great head of hair, I always make a joke about <laughs> it and say, "I love that head of hair. I wish I had it." But you're laughing. That's self-deprecation yeah. at a very, very light level that doesn't actually put me down. Right. Because I'm I'm very confident in in the shape of my head and, <laughs> and the way I look. You know, I, I, self-deprecation is a whole other rabbit hole we can go down that yeah. I have thoughts about. But the the point is, I think if you can find something genuine to say and talk about uh, that makes the conversation go easier. Uh, and and not how's the weather don't give them the same conversation every time you will stand out and build rapport the other advice on the inverse is if you are somebody who calls all day please listen to me put a conversation starting piece in your background put something to make the conversation go easier for me i happen to have i wear a lot of hats i have like 50 hats on shelves behind me (laughs) when i talk you're laughing but people bring it up almost every meeting yeah that's a lot of hats and it's a, it's a real easy way to talk about something that isn't, oh, yeah, it's been cold over here. Right, right. That's so true because, I mean, every meeting starts with, how's the weather and where you're at? How's the weather and where you're yeah, at? Yeah, yeah, oh. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Throw up. <laughs> <laughs> I have a trouble with transitioning, though, from the small talk to the actual content of the meeting. Like, if you ask about how their kids are doing and then you go, wow, that's great. I'm so glad Timmy won his game. Anyways, I need, you know the the transition can be kind of tough what would you do there all right i want to be cognizant of time so should we jump into it sure every time (laughs) (laughs) almost every time something along those lines or or shall we you're asking it as a question not a command you're still taking the lead on the call and and as a sales guy would say keeping the the frame right where you're the one leading the meeting you're the the expert you're the one in charge uh but at the same time you're you're not uh making them feel like uh an idiot by by just like shitting on them or saying enough small talk yeah yeah i can do those that works those are easy those are really easy yeah 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 100 awesome okay so i just learned something in regards to social interaction from you so to what extent do you think people are born good at this? And to what extent do you think this can be learned? It's always tough, right? Getting into eugenics and getting into <laughs> getting into talking about nature versus nurture. Um, I mean, in my own example, I was born good at it. So it's hard for me yeah. to, to talk about that point. But at the same time, 
I have gotten way better at it as I got older. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the biggest factor for me was turning social anxiety into social awareness. And that has to do with confidence, uh, in my opinion. Um, so to answer your question directly, I do think there's most definitely a factor of being born with it or not. Like you can't help if you were born with Asperger's. Yeah. You can't help if you're slightly autistic. You can't help if um, you were shy in your disposition. But what you can do is improve the things, all those levers that give you higher social status, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know he's a very controversial figure and I brought him up already once, but Jordan Peterson has you know, his lobster argument in the beginning yeah. of his book. Yep. Uh, it's true, right? How can you make your claw bigger? Like, do you think Jeff Bezos would have no. you know, unlimited hot women at his no. doorstep if he wasn't Jeff Bezos? No. So if you can pull those levers, it helps because then people treat you better and it makes it easier to be better at social interactions, yeah. at least in my opinion. Um, but then the, the inverse of that is once you reach that level, do you even care? <laughs> yeah. You've got to practice it. Like on the principle, I don't want to be like practicing being a good friend or practicing being good at talking to people solely for my own benefit. That bothers me a little bit inside, like that I would be using my interactions with people to benefit myself, but I am and I will do it. It doesn't bother me that much. But something I'll say about you is that you're obviously very competent. You're really good at talking, but it doesn't feel greasy to me. There are sometimes I feel to people who are just schmoozing me constantly or they they practice this soundbite over and over again. They use their hands a lot. Like they're telling me about this and my line of work. They say your name a lot. Time. Say my name a lot. They're like, commoner, what do you think about this? And commoner, I was doing this. And there's a fine line there, especially for guys. I don't know. I'm a sexist, but like, I think for guys, you can go down the greasy rabbit hole very quickly. 100%. And then also probably have 50% of the time guys think that they're going to flirt with you too. Uh, in yeah. some capacity. Yeah, oh, exactly. It gives the ick immediately. Uh, and I, I think the thing that a lot of people <laughs> miss is they don't realize how easy it is to smell when someone's being disingenuous. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's like an odor. It's, it's there immediately. You brought up the used car salesman. The most important thing is being genuine. Um, I like to think that the reason I've grown really fast on Twitter is because I'm a really genuine person. I'm not I think, coming I off think it totally moment. comes across. Yeah, cool. Thank you. I appreciate mm -hmm. that. I'm pretty proud of that. So thank you for the compliment, by the mm -hmm. way. And, and I, I do feel uh, that you are too hard on yourself when you were talking about some things that you lack because you seem very similar. Oh, uh, I think um, being so number one, COVID put me back in my shell a bit and then being Everyone. remote at work. So this is something I've talked about a bit. But Basically, I was banned from the office all over the summer because of certain medical choice that I made. Yes. And yes. so everybody trained together. And in my line of work, like the start class, we all came out of college at the same time. Like I just came out of college. I'm in a new city. So I didn't go to any of the happy hours, any of that kind of thing. They lift the mandate on me. So now I can go into the office and I'm expected to go into the office and do all the happy hours and all the soccer team stuff, like a very, very social office environment. I think I am overthinking it more than other people, but the question of commoner, where were you? Or like, why were you on Zoom all of training? And like, just walking into a room of 70, 22 year olds that all know each other and I don't, like it definitely makes me nervous. And I don't know if 100%. I would have been nervous three years ago, but now I am definitely nervous. 100%, uh, I, I, I empathize with that as well completely. Um, so in over the summer, I took a full remote job. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it was my first full remote job. Like I've always worked in tech. I've always had the ability to work from home. And, and during COVID, I worked from home. Halfway through COVID, the company I worked at was local. Mm. Um, and I was going to the office like three days a week as soon as things calmed down in like 2021. And then I joined this new company and it's 100% remote. And the mm. only office is on the opposite coast of mine. So I'm in a place now where I've been here like five-ish months and I haven't had the full chance to show myself because, you know, it takes time to ramp up. I don't have the numbers to get the right. work respect. And then I can't politic like right. I have always done. Uh, so I feel you completely. Um, and I think that a really important thing to do is work loud, make sure everything you're doing is seen. Uh, but on top of that, I think, unfortunately, you do have to go to some of those happy hours to yeah. overcome that. You do, even if you don't drink, people are a lot nicer when they've had two beers in them that are, are, are hold up. Uh, you know, when the, the inhibitions drop a little bit and you do have to play the game in some capacity. Um, but it's, it's one of the icky parts of, of working for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely just have to go and, uh, try to talk to people as much as possible. I but think commoner, you're so charismatic. Like <laughs> I'm not even, I'm not blowing smoke. Like we're having this conversation right now. I, I can't see you, you being like that, but I guess uh, it, it's all different in person and, and, and when yeah. it's in an intimidating big room, like you're talking about. I also think like we're Zooming and this is kind of my personality, like my anonymous personality versus yes. in larger settings. I am much quieter in larger settings. I'm really bad at introducing myself, especially in college. It was a really good thing if you sat next to someone in class to say, hey, I'm commoner. What's your name? I could do it in college, but now walking into a happy hour and be like, hi, it's tough. I don't know. Do you think that's it's probably I not tough for you? No, uh, not that it's not tough. It's just a, a, a skill that I've practiced and I have some really actionable advice. Okay. So did you ever play a sport or do anything like competitive of any kind? Yes. Even if it wasn't a sport. Okay. Uh, okay. You mind sharing what that is or no? Yeah. Soccer. I'm a soccer player too. Yeah. Awesome. Great. So you know that switch that you have when it's zero, zero in the 81st minute? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that athlete switch. Yeah. That's what I call it. And that's what I do. Like when I am walking into a social setting, when I'm about to get on a Zoom call, even right before we join the Zoom call, throw a little power pose out there, get excited. <laughs> You're laughing, but I'm serious. Put on some music or something or, or get yourself a little bit hyped up and then go into that athlete mode. It, it's it's the same thing like if you're about to lift some heavy weights, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you go into it like, oh, I'm just going to do this deadlift or you go into it like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> like there's a huge difference in the amount of weight that you'll lift. And I think it's the same for a social interaction and, and when you're meeting someone for the first time. If you walk into that room with a smile on your face, you know, your, your confident posture, and you just walk right up and, and, hey, what's going on? Nice to meet you. I'm so-and-so. Uh, it's a pleasure. Awesome. I'm really excited to be here. The, that kind of thing. Uh, you, you make it your own. I'm, I'm yeah. Involved, Very good advice. Yeah. That, that extra little like, mm, okay, I'm ready for this. Like mm -hmm. game time kind of thing. It, it, it goes really, really far. Yeah. And then starting the jungle, starting the Wi-Fi grind has made me differentiate from people my own age, just because the things I'm focused on are very different than the things they're focused on. I stopped drinking. The happy hours aren't the best use of my time anymore. Like, yes, that has really distanced me from people my own age. And I hate clubbing. Like, I hate it. Oh, it sucks. It <laughs> it's sucks. So it's even worse for a dude because I got to go to that same shitty situation and spend hundreds of dollars. <laughs> I love a dinner party, though, with eight people. And we're all talking. And you get to know everybody and have funny conversations. But clubbing, you can't hear anybody. It's hot. I'm sweaty. I'm tired. 
Like, <laughs> I don't, I hate it. Don't yeah, put me down yeah. for that. I agree. I agree. So uh, I don't know how much of my stuff you've read, but what do you think I'm going to say about the dinner party? Um, do it. <laughs> Post them. Post oh, them. Yeah, Be yeah, the yeah. host. Be the glue. Right. Be the one that has the dope dinner party because then all of a sudden in your younger friends, because that's what I've gathered from what you're saying, mm-hmm. uh, they'll have fun at it, right? Like yeah. if, if they came to your house and had a night, then all of a sudden you got the monthly commoner dinner party. Yeah. Uh, you created what you wanted. Right. It's yes. a pain in the ass, but it's also worth it. I just need to get a bigger table. My table's little. <laughs> Bob's furniture. Yeah. Ashley. I'll get a plastic one and put a pretty uh, there you go. table cloth yeah. and you'll never even know. Um, but no, that's really that's good cool. advice. And I've gotten that advice from people around me too. They're like, if you love those things, do them. And one thing I've been doing is like, I joined the, the company soccer league uh, and I was nervous oh, nice. to do it. And I don't know why I was nervous. I was like, what if they're like really intent <laughs> stupid but um and doing that several people that are a lot more senior than me that know my name in the office and they say hi that was a really good easy way to meet 10 people versus 800 people you know at the christmas party so 100 percent. i i actually I, I forgot about that example that's such a good one because i've done that myself too mm-hmm. and then also it's a way to show a competence that gets you more respect. Totally. Right? You're a soccer player. So you get on the field, they see your touch. They're like, oh, yeah, right. Exactly. You're a little more than just whatever your job is. Right. Right. It's great. Great. And advice. if you're if you're good at something, then like, okay, if she was good at that, then she can probably handle. And the way that my company works is like you're on a different project all the time. And it's a lot about name recognition and networking to get really good projects sometimes. So yes. it always helps to have somebody in your corner that you know so something that we touched on briefly and i'd like to go back to is the self-deprecation yes so self-deprecation kind of gets a bad name in the alpha red pill movement on youtube and twitter just because Which you don't I hate, want to... by the way yeah but... where i want to hear your take on self-deprecation how can you do it as perfectly as possible sure so uh first side comment um, I, I'm not kidding. I, I hate the red pill ultra alpha manosphere. Yeah. Um, I think that it targets guys that aren't that and gives them false, uh, a, a false idea of what that is. I totally agree. Like the, uh, like I, I sound like a softie right now, but like <laughs> objectifying women and like, uh, don't fucking don't apologize. Like, don't shut up. <laughs> Have you ever met somebody worth their salt that acted like that? No. no, no. And like, like, I'm not saying that like, like you can't, you can't have some of that. You should have some of that. You should not be a little bitch and you should uh, be worth your salt. But at the same time, it doesn't mean you have to never fucking smile. I hate that, that advice. And I see it so much on Twitter. And in fact, my, my, the whole point of my account is to be the antithesis to mm-hmm. that. Uh, while also still maintaining that that strong uh, demeanor to to the larger point of self-deprecation it's a slippery slope right a lot it starts out as something that lightens the mood like my example i i said about hair and being Mm -hmm. bald that's a funny one to me because uh, if i'm being honest i like to think that i'm handsome and uh, i i have a bald head but it's something that like i'm I'm making fun of but also Mm -hmm. like everyone in the room can see that it suits me and it's not uh, an, 
even a bad point. Mm -hmm. But if I start calling myself short and I start calling myself fat or things like that, like those, those are slippery slopes. Yeah. And then you start believing that like, I'm not into the super woo woo, like, like your thoughts or your reality, but there is an aspect of that. That's true. Um, so I think that with self-deprecation, make sure that it's not your safety blanket that you're using for any social situation where you're actually putting yourself down and, and keep it to very lighthearted things. Uh, if you're going to make a decision, if you need to be black and white about it, I'd say no self-deprecation over uh, okay. a lot of self-deprecation. If you were going to make that that choice or if you struggle with doing it lightheartedly, but if you can do it in like a, a, a very lighthearted, charismatic way, it can be a useful tool as well. Mm -hmm. The point about the red pill alphas catering to an audience of just, I don't even know how to describe them, typically like an incel type person who is yeah, yeah, very 100%. easily manipulated to think that that's yes. the peak of masculinity. That's what you should aspire to be. Yes. It's like the pendulum swinging back way too far. So how do we get more people that are incels to not go that far to the right? Like that far masculinity manosphere going their own way. Women are the devil. Like there's, there's gotta be a more middle way to improve them because they, <laughs> they need help though. Like they really need help. Well, but... 100%. And, and the, the, the funny answer is have, <laughs> let them have sex. Yeah. But, um, but uh, if that's not the answer, uh, first and foremost, the comment I want to make is, you know, the same comment you made before about companies making their, their logo, the, the pride flag. Yeah. Yeah. I think Tate's just doing the same thing. I totally so, agree with you. Yeah. He's smart. He, yep. As much as he's controversial, he's definitely a smart guy and he knows exactly what he's doing. I, I think he's just capitalizing on his audience in that same capacity. Um, now, in terms of what we can do, I think uh, it's it's the entire free speech argument. Uh, Rogan talks about this a lot. A lot of uh, Elon talks about this a lot. It's just better information. Yeah. I don't think there's any way to go about it more than just better information. And you know what? Something uh, – another thing that that bothers me a little bit. Uh, is there is a lot of this good information out there, but for some reason, maybe I'm wrong, maybe this is just my own anecdotal opinion, a lot of it is tied to really like Christian religious accounts. Yeah. And uh, that excludes anyone that's not super Christian or super religious. Yeah. And I feel like that same kind of be a man that takes care of your family and provides and protects uh, and that information is good, but when you when you have to swarm everything in, in Jesus Christ, um, I feel like the message gets muddled. Again, I grew up Christian. Um, I understand the sentiment. I'm just talking about from a business point of view and appealing to the the crowd that we're talking about. Yes. Um, if in the same boat, you want to tell them to be a good man, but wait till marriage to have sex, you're 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 not speaking their language. My answer, in short, is better information. And I, I'm hoping to try and provide that in some capacity. I have never thought about that. But if you're trying to just change the minds of the incel or to encourage them to be different than what they are, they're going to go for an, a renegade Andrew Tate, womanizer, fancy cars, big lifestyle over the hardworking pastor, father of five. The cell is not as good. It's not the, sexy. Yeah. It's in the not competition sexy. Of people's attention. I totally agree with that. And whether or not the father of five pastors right or wrong is not what we're talking about we're saying if you're trying to no. just attract that demographic tate's gonna win every single time every single um, time and I'm, I'm actually i actually it may have been muddled in what i was saying but i'm saying that the father of five hardworking pastor is saying the right things right 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 i'm just saying the message gets lost and totally I think you agree with me and we're on totally the same page totally there.
I'm just picturing like a YouTube short of the pastor saying, you know, sacrifice for your wife versus Andrew Tate saying, fuck these bitches. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. In fact, I think the best shining example in the spotlight of somebody who does as well is Rogan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never hear Joe speak bad about women and speak down to women. Totally. But you can tell also at the same time, Joe's had a lot of sex before he met his wife. Right? <laughs> like, like, it's one of those perfect examples where I think he is – uh, he's obviously imperfect. He's a human being, but he is, he might be the best example of, of what a modern man should be like. I love Joe Rogan. It's like, I am his demographic and I'm 22 year old girl. 100%. And he's, he was on fear factor. He yes. commentates on UFC. Like the fact that I'm his demographic is a capitalist Marvel. But what does he do? Yeah. He's genuine as fuck. Exactly. He's so genuine. He's literally like like telling you about how he takes a shit on his podcast. <laughs> so true. Like you're laughing, but like he posts pictures of him looking ugly as hell in a sauna. <laughs> He's just genuine. Yeah. And I think I totally that's agree. what stands out. I think that's what stands out. He definitely started the podcast movement. Like nobody's going to listen to three hours of a conversation. They're only going to listen to my 25 minute segment on the news. And boy, were all those people wrong. I can't think of a big podcast before Joe Rogan in 2016. Tim Ferriss is the only other one. Oh, Tim true. Ferriss, Tim Ferriss and Rogan were like the renegades and Tim Ferriss appealed to the San Francisco biohacking crowd before mm. everything was super PC. So he was yeah. able to be a little bit more like, uh, or less woke, I should say about it. Uh, and Rogan, but the two of them were the titans of it by far. And he's not trying to sell you anything. He's not being greasy. He's just being honest and funny and just who he is. And that's what's coming across well. And it shows that people are dying for that. They're starving for that in this society that we live in. One million percent. One million percent. It's so dystopian to think about this large demographic of men. They're not having sex. They don't have relationships with real people. Like it's a huge chunk of men, more so than women. How did you get that far gone in the past 20 years? Just video games and social media, also porn addiction potentially. Testosterone. Testosterone drop, like all of these things. That it's, might be the biggest thing. I think that they that might be the core issue. Is testosterone? Creates all the other, 100%. I mean, mm. take me for example, right? I am, if you see me as a person, I am a very masculine looking man. And I like to think that I'm a masculine man in, in my demeanor and the way that I am as a person too. Mm. I had low testosterone from when I was like fucking 23. Interesting. Due to environmental factors or whatever. They, there was no set cause of why that is. I've been on TRT since I was 28. Um, and, e and even since starting... I understand the importance of it fully like that, that, that when I went from suboptimal to optimal hormone levels and I saw the changes in myself, uh, I was like, holy shit, this wow. is the problem because I felt it viscerally. I, I was somebody who already lifted weights. I was mm. somebody who played sports and did hard shit. And, you know, I, I, I was having sex. Like I never had, I never had any issues with any of that. And, uh, but I was low. And when I fixed it, I was like, holy shit, this is it. This wow. is, this is the thing. Um, and I, I, I think that's the, the root cause. And I think a lot of people agree with me as well. Um, I will say for anybody listening to this, I have multiple threads I've written on TRT. I am not an expert. I'm not a doctor. I'm just somebody who's an advocate and, and has been doing it for a while. Uh, try to fix your shit normally before you jump on TRT, especially if you're uh, somewhere in between mine and commoners age. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you don't want to, it is a lifelong commitment. Granted, it's a lifelong commitment for a better life, but yeah. uh, try to do it naturally first. And there are methods. And, but the same goes for women too. Like even my own wife, she just came off birth control after like 15 years of being yeah. on it. And she can't stop talking about how much better she feels. Totally. She literally said to me the other day, I feel more like me. Mm hmm Hormones are important and they might be the factor, the X factor in all of this. I was doing a bit Crazy of research stuff. on the, the testosterone. And so yeah. there's a couple of thoughts in the conventional research. So number one is that your lifestyle. So if you're fat, if you are sedentary, if you eat fake food, like all those things could have a negative impact on your testosterone, but that doesn't seem to be your case at all. Then there's environmental endocrine disrupting chemicals. So there's things that you're exposed to both in the womb with your mom, as well as like as a young child that can affect your testosterone. So there's literally stuff in the water that's turning the frogs gay, as they would say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alex Jones. <laughs> um, but it's still, when I was reading all of the, the studies, no one had like a, this percentage of it was caused by endocrine disrupting chemicals. This percentage of the drop is caused by poor lifestyle choices like it's just they don't know they don't know what's going on there is no no direct cause you know you'll get people let's say it's all the the radio waves going through our balls from our phone in our pocket yeah you'll get people saying it's plastic microplastics and shit but no one knows exactly what's going on i i mean if 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 you like in my opinion it's also just a lack of doing hard shit like i think that your body rises to the occasion right if mm -hmm. you're sitting in your house in your comfortable air-conditioned house or heated house at your in your comfortable chair working or sitting at your computer 12 hours a day and then you play video games and you sit on the couch and then yep. you know the, you're not doing anything hard and you're not having sex with your spouse or with uh, random people then there's no reason for your testosterone to be high <laughs> that's what when i was talking to masculine millennial a couple weeks ago he said the number one thing he would do is just shoot every guy with new testosterone he would just raise everybody's testosterone levels right now and he said liberalism disappears half our problems disappear like he said it was the number one issue as well who was this masculine millennial he's another twitter personality yeah ox yeah. ox has tweeted that multiple yeah. times as well have you ever seen the correlation between identifying as a republican testosterone levels? yeah They're yeah directly correlated yeah the craziest part of it all is i feel like the guys that are super uh, liberal in their views and like they identify as a feminist the male feminist or whatever they're still just trying to get laid totally that's they're yes. still just trying to get laid they're just going with the nice guy soft boy <laughs> the idea of any women being attracted to that is just unfathomable to me <laughs> all these guys on twitter that have the stupid glasses and they cut their pants and they're like getting the cafe mocha latte and they're talking about gender justice and climate justice and they're so into all these social issues it's like ew it's it's, it's biologically not gonna work uh we've all seen an instance in our lives you know probably more uh, from your point of view in, in the older generation where it was a guy who married a woman, a woman who an alpha woman, I would say, mm. and uh, kind of just like walks all over them and they beat him down. They beat him down. They beat him down. They beat him down. And the guy never fought back and, and never stood up for himself. And then they get left. Yeah. It's, it's a tale as old as time. I, I just had one recently in my extended family. 
where it was one of those situations, right? And he's got three kids and uh, his wife just emasculated him for years yeah. in the sense of like, why are you drinking? Why are you doing that? Mm. Why are you watching sports? Why are you, why don't you do more? And just years, 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 years till he was this beaten down weak man. And then he just got left. Yeah. He just got divorced. It's an unfortunate thing that I don't even think that some women realize that that's the case, that you're no longer going to be attracted to that. Um, and it's also why, you know, men have to stand up for themselves and have to be men in whatever, whatever you think that definition is. Every conversation I have on this podcast comes back to men needing to be more masculine. <laughs> I swear to God. I, <laughs> is it me? I don't know. <laughs> well, I, well, it's, it, you're also interviewing a bunch of fucking. Yeah. Jack jungle guys. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Testosterone up workout guys. Um, but my, I guess my question back to you is what do you think the inverse is for women? What do you think that the issues are that you see with women? I think uh, women don't think it is okay to let men lead. And the word submit has a lot of negative connotations, but just let him lead, let him be the decisive one, let him decide the path of his own life. And you are co-pilot a little bit. That's what so many of my friends want to have, but societally or socially rather, they think that it's no longer okay to do that. Like that's mooching or that's letting him decide your life for you and that type of thing. I don't like to make decisions. I hate confrontation. I would much prefer for my boyfriend to just do those things. But societally, that's not okay. I should be a consultant, go work at a private equity firm, you know, make a ton of money, put my kids in daycare, all that kind of stuff. They don't think it's okay to just like relax into their femininity a little bit. I agree completely. Yeah. Um, I, I have like I, I gave you a little bit of background on my wife, but um, she also was raised semi traditionally, mm-hmm. uh, and you know I hate that trad is a thing and it gets uh, confused for Catholic little virgin because that's not the case. Um, but at the same time, that's I think why you know she values and loves me so much is and we've been together ten years successfully since college. Uh, is is part of that right because like whether i'm making the decision or my decision provokes her thoughts and lets her know how she feels either way it works right Mm -hmm. if we're talking about going out to dinner and she can't think of a restaurant and i'm like all right we're going here and she has a visceral no reaction to it okay i still help make the decision yeah we have we have our our things that we do around the house our, our our aspects of our lives that we handle i think that's really important now i don't think that <laughs> anyone saying shit like women in the kitchen is 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 the way either i think mm. that that's fucking stupid but at the same time i'll tell you what she cleans a dish 10 times better than i clean a dish <laughs> she does the laundry 10 times better than i do the laundry and we're, we're we're perfectly okay with that because i hang a picture 10 times better than she hangs a picture right right and and, and there's certain things that we do and my, my point is just like there's always going to be things that women and men are both better at and mm-hmm. uh, I, I i hate that people deny that that's a thing I I completely agree with you. And I think the point you made earlier about like the economy that we live in, a single income household is seriously not feasible, especially with children. That's something that a lot of these red pill trad guys never admit, you know, like, of course, your wife should be a stay at home mom. Well, that's like a $300,000 annual salary that you need, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, my brothers in Christ, you don't live in New York, San Francisco or exactly. or, or any of these or any of these cities then because uh I I personally not to to brag too much and like 
in terms of like earning, I'm like in the top 4% of earners, right? Like yeah. in the amount of money I make in a year and I could not do it. I yeah. can't support us. Granted, I live in a very high cost of living area. And also I like to, to live a nice life, but uh, still, I, I, I can't even fathom it. I can't even fathom it. My wife makes over six figures as well. And that, that helps a lot. It, yeah. it enables us to, to live comfortably. Um, and I don't know how anyone expects to do that. I know. So it's tough to have your natural roles a little bit. And it seems like your wife and you are doing a great job of this, but I understand that it is difficult if she's going out and in the corporate world, making a paycheck, being really assertive and dominant in her career, and then she has to come home. I That's a difficult thing to do. It's kind of a necessity though, as we just described, if you live in one of these areas, but that may be part of the reason why there's that emasculation happening because the common trope is she's a investment banker and she has to go submit to the Goldman Sachs, you know, managing director. And then she comes home to her husband, who's an accountant. Like, it's hard to have a lot of respect for that when you're playing with the alphas at work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a valid argument to be made there though. That that's and and, but the fact that that's used as the example is unfair at the same time, like you are going to deal with that. You're, you're entering the, the, the boys world. You're going to have to play the boys games in, in that example. And, and I don't know, I don't know what the, the best advice there is because I've never been a woman in a man's world dealing with that situation. I'll tell yeah. you what though, I've been a man in a woman's world and I did not feel comfortable. The economy that we live in makes it very difficult to have the easy, natural positions that we've had throughout society and whether or not those positions were perfect can be debated in that a woman just in the house just cooking and cleaning is the peak of what she can do I you know I'm filming a podcast right now like I don't really agree with that but in terms of a harmonious relationship between man and wife I see how that's going to cause significant problems for a lot of people potentially not in your case of course but just for other people with ambitious young women dating men their own age like I can see how that would be very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So we've yeah. been discussing this incel demographic. Yes. From a pure black pill perspective, how can we capitalize on that demographic? What can we provide them? What services, what products, and what needs if we want to address that market? Um, so first and foremost, shameless plug, I'm working on something. I'm working on a little bit of a supplement that... uh is something that I, a combination of things that I've taken uh, before going out in social anxiety and whatnot and just helping me be on my A game that uh, I'm hoping to release in the next coming months. Very cool. Um, so that that's something that I'm working on. But um, on a larger scale, it's got to be different from what's out there right now. I'm not the type that's going to offer you a $1,000 course or I'm going to make you into a man. I think that's bullshit. There's a lot of information out there where we talk about get jacked, have your best aesthetic, uh, you know, talk better to people, blah, blah, blah. But there's not enough good information on how to actually do that. Um, so I think that it comes down to packaging the information in a way that's easily digestible, uh, whether it's audio content like you're creating, um, info products, or even just uh, a, a newsletter or something along those lines, but with real actionable information. Then on top of that, I think there ha there could be some way where uh, examples or, or putting putting these men in environments with men that are doing things right, uh, 
uh, could could be really valuable as well. What do you think? I agree with the specific actionable advice. Like just in the conversation we just had, I think you gave me three tips. I was writing them down in terms of how to transition from small talk to actual content in a work meeting, things to discuss in small talk, not the weather, but something to pick out in their background or something that you actually notice, like specific small things that can actually be done rather than you need to change your mindset. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I agree. My hope is that we can find a way to help these people. <laughs> yeah, 100%. All right, commoner. I got one last question for you. Okay. You brought up that you have sometimes issues with confrontation and you mm. don't love it. So I, I'm going to ask you a question to practice. Okay. What's something that you disagree with me on? Oh, there was something we were discussing in the, the traditional gender roles. Yeah. I think we had a little bit of a disagreement in there. Like, I think ideally, and I don't, I'm struggling with saying that this is how everyone should live or just how I should live. But I think that the man should really lead. I think that's the natural way of things. I think it's really difficult to achieve in our current economy, as I was describing, if she has to go into the corporate world and dominate in that way. But I think that's the natural order of things. I can agree with that in some oh. capacity. Okay. I, 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 no, 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 no. Hold <laughs> on. When I say I can agree with that, I can agree with uh, that being how you feel. Um, I guess from my point of view, uh, I am currently in a relationship where it's successfully being done with a nice balance where I'm still the man of the house and I still do take charge in a lot of situations, but also there are a lot of situations where my wife takes charge. Mm. Um, and it's not emasculating. In fact, one of the conversations we had to have early on was don't emasculate me, especially not in front of people. Right. Right. Like we have, we have a rule, save it for the car where like uh, we never fight in front of anyone. And if you want to rip me apart, do it, do it when no one's watching. Yeah. Um, and we had a lot of growing pains to go through that, right? Like it, 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 it took a lot for her to accept that I'm the man. Um, and uh, we still, you know, that's, that's still something that always is going to be worked on in some capacity. Um, but, but we can agree to disagree on that completely, right? Like, I think that everyone has their way and everyone has their life. Um, maybe if I lived in a lower cost of living area or I made more money, um, it'd be a different conversation, right? But uh, that's neither here nor there. I, I think that if we take everything we've spoken about today, the underlying lesson of it all is make more money and it makes everything easier. <laughs> <laughs> that is the, the mantra of the jungle, though. The mantra yeah. of the jungle. jungle. Yes, 100%. Stop complaining, make more money. <laughs> yes, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut up, all your problems. But um, yeah, and I think after a two-hour conversation, you can only find one hair to split. It's pretty good. Yeah, I think we did a great job. I, I think, think we're same page good. in a lot of ways. Yeah, 100%. Thank you for having me. This has been awesome. This was so you. awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and just preparing and being so thoughtful in your responses. Um, is there anywhere you'd like people to go find your stuff? Yeah. Um, my handle on Twitter is at Bowtide Brosiden. Uh, it's Bowtide and then B-R-O-S-E-I-D-N. I couldn't fit the O in my handle. Um, I also have a sub stack that I've started writing on recently. Um, so if you want more of what I'm doing and what I'm talking about, or even if you want to just follow me and disagree with what I'm saying, that's where you can find me. I tweet like a madman. You do. Very impressive. <laughs> I only am respecting. That's awesome. <laughs> I appreciate that. You're awesome, Commodore. This has been great. 
Thank you so much. Have a good one.